You're listening to the Bible teachings of Reality Church Stockton. For more info, please visit our website at realitystockton.com. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome. It is, it is really good to be together and to sing and to lift up our voices. So today, as was mentioned earlier, is a little bit different. It's what you could call a doxology Sunday, where we're really focusing on praising God. And in preparation for this Sunday, already having this Sunday on the calendar and planning to, you know, have a day focused on praise and worship, I got the news at the end of this last week that the the classic Empire Theater had been burnt down like a five-alarm fire, and that same day they began to demolish uh, the building. And so what it caused me to do is to begin to walk down memory lane. I, I know a lot of memories that I share with many of you guys of the work that God did among us. I think there may be some pictures to pull up of that. That's some of our kids worshiping together on that stage. To put it into perspective, some of these little kids are now driving. <laughs> Um, maybe that next slide pulled up. That was Easter, probably 2016. We got some, some young individuals, college students, that are now, you know, decided to, to put down roots in Stockton and are now in their career. And what I realized was, as I began to remember these, these times together in the Empire Theater, that most of my positive memories centered around our time singing together. A lot of weird things happened in the theater. Gosh, so many weird things. But my positive memories really center around worshiping the Lord together. And as I heard from you guys at the end of last week, you're sending me text messages and pictures. I I think that you would agree that God did an amazing work in our times of worship. And, And really what it did was it stirred me with the conviction that God has given our church a, what I would call a distinct anointing for musical worship. It's given us songs of praise, given us a heart of worship, made us a people that really desire to go all in on our praise. And I am just so glad to be a part of a church known for its worship of the Lord. As Paul comes to the very end of his lengthy, lengthy section where he's been talking about the need that we share in our humanity because of our sin, uh, he's talked about the fact that the law and religion in general is just incapable of saving us. And that we desperately need the mercy and deliverance of God through his son, Jesus Christ. And he comes to this point at the very end of chapter 7, where he sort of just breaks out in praise. And very abruptly says, chapter 7, verse 25, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now I love this, but what is Paul's conclusion to everything that he has mentioned so far. Where, what is this, like May, mid-May? Everything that we've been studying so far in, in Romans, this in, entire year, what, what does Paul conclude when he comes to this point and he looks back at all that's been mentioned? Thanks be to God. Now, it's funny, as you read the commentary, there are actually a number of theologians that try to explain these last few verses in Romans 7 and and try to explain how it all fits together. And there are actually thinkers from the past that that tried to say like, clearly the language here of Paul is just too abrupt. There's something wrong with the syntax or you know, there's something wrong with the translation. Clearly the scribes 
when they went to, to you know, continue on the scribal tradition, they, they must have gotten the verses mixed up because surely this passage, just, it just doesn't fit. It's just, just too abrupt. That's what happens when theologians seek to explain what worship leaders may be better suited to. That's why I'm not going to be talking long today. Because you actually start to, you, you, you begin to try to explain praise too long and you just kind of miss it. Praise can't simply be explained. It has to be expressed. Sometimes praise doesn't fit into our agenda. Sometimes praise does not fit into our comfort level. Sometimes praise doesn't fit neatly into our narrow categories of what we have determined about God in life. This is not a calculated statement. I don't imagine Paul coming to this point and saying, you know what would fit great in this? A, a, a statement of thanks. No, it's a spontaneous burst of worship. Praising God appears where otherwise doesn't belong. Praise appears in Philippian jail cells like in the book of Acts. Praise appears today among his people in what has been called the worst year ever. Somehow, praise finds its way in. And as I imagine this scene as Paul is being carried along by the Holy Spirit, he's dictating these words and his scribe Tertius is trying to keep up. He's you know, the scribe is writing down all that Paul is communicating, and I could just imagine with all of Paul's like run-on sentences and all these just long, long statements, just, just that guy is earning his wages and on and on and on, and then all of a sudden, Paul goes off in this tangent, and he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I just imagine Tertius turning to him and being like, wait, did you want that in here? Was that supposed to, was I supposed to write that down, or are you just on your own little worship thing? And Paul's saying, Let, let's, let's keep it. Put it in. Back in April, I got to gather uh, and worship with over 2,000 people in one place. It felt kind of naughty, actually. <laughs> and in the very first set of songs, we sang of the greatness of Jesus and how Jesus is greater than anything in all, in all of creation. And it was this very stirring moment. There was this nationally known band leading us in worship. The tones were perfect. The bass was booming. And there were multiple times where I just felt the chills. But the moment, there was this moment that actually moved me even deeper. And it was the very last day of the conference. We're trying to find a seat up front near the stage. And we end up sitting behind the section that is marked off for the hearing impaired. And as 2,600 people sang to the music that they were hearing to my right, there was a handful of people, maybe three or four, signing, sign, signing their, their praise together. And I thought to myself, you know, they don't hear the music. They don't hear the voices. A lot of the elements that we look to in order to be moved in worship, they weren't there. They had none of it. They, they had tapped into something greater than beautiful melodies and amazing music and stirring tones and on and on and on. And there they were, 
passionately moving their mouths and, and their arms and their hands and their bodies fully engaged as they signed their praise to God. And I looked it around and I took it all in and I actually believe that worship is a holy distraction. I believe we're allowed to like stop our singing and just look around and take it all in, by the way. So this is my justification for why I was doing this. And I take it all in and it struck me that these three or four people pressing through the hurdle of being deaf, not making excuses where I probably would be making excuses, not letting the potential embarrassment of looking different or being weird or, you know, worshiping in a different way, holding them back. And I realized that this was far more moving than 2,600 voices of people, most of which whom, when I looked again, had their hands in their pockets and were just kind of given half-hearted participation in praise. Thanks be to God, in the Greek is eucharisteo. It's where would we get the word eucharist, which is the Lord's table. And what this indicates is that this is, praise is a very practical, you know, physical expression of gratitude. Praise isn't just an emotion. Praise is not just I feel thankful. I've got this very deep sentiment of thanks to God today. It's an expression of it. Praise is conveyed through both words and gestures. Over the last few chapters, really, Paul has been pressing this point that we're not just presenting our minds to God. We're not just presenting our hearts and our emotions to God, but we're also presenting our bodies to him. In chapter 6, Paul said, you know, present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. That means our, our whole being, everything that makes us us, everything that makes me Christian, is being dedicated to God in order to be renewed through his grace. And so this is why when you read through your Bible, you almost always see honoring and praising God involves some sort of physical posture and gesture. Take, for instance, Psalm 95. Psalm 95, verse 6, says this. Oh, come, let us worship and what? Bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. I think we've seen this as like a sentimental, I'm bowing before the Lord in my heart. Oh, cool. <laughs> Tell me how that goes. Or how about Psalm 47? <laughs> Clap your hands. I woke you up. Clap your hands. <laughs> All peoples. Not clap your hands, you people with Pentecostal charismatic backgrounds. Not clap your hands, you people in front of these pillars, because I walked to the back and I noticed there's a very clear distinction between the people sitting in the front and the people sitting in the back. Notice that during the first song. But what? All peoples. All peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. This isn't half-hearted praise. There's just something wrong with my microphone. Move it away. Well, you know I hate these kind of microphones. 
shout. Don't hold back. Sing it with unction. Or how about Psalm 63? So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. I lift up my hands. Not a, not one of these. Just I don't want to see. I don't want anyone to see my hands up here. Just like this, or, or one of these right there. I lift up my hands. It, it made me think. How more explicit does the Bible need to get with us? What more are we waiting for when it comes to giving the Lord our everything in worship? Worship is the place that God actively shapes and transforms our lives. We, see, we often think that we're simply here doing something for God. I'm, I'm lifting my hands to, for God. I'm doing this for God. I'm singing for God, you know, because like God must need my praise today or something. No, praise is primarily about God ministering to us. Let me say it this way. The thing that God wants to do for you is always going to be greater than the thing that you want to do for God. Yes, God loves it when we bring him praise. Yes, God loves it when we serve him and we give him our everything. God is so honored through that. But what we bring to God is always going to pale in comparison to what God is bringing to us. That's grace. That's worshiping from a place under grace and no longer under the law. So consider a few things with me for a second. I want to tease this out. Think about all the words that you said this last week that you wish you could just take it back. Think about the, the way when they came out of your mouth, you wish you could just reel it back in. Or think about the, you know, the evenings or when you're laying you know, awake in your bed and you begin to recall the conversations throughout the day and you're like, gosh, why do I talk like that? Why do I make myself look like such a fool? Why am I so negative? Why do I feel this impulse to keep talking like this. So the question is, how does God shape and transform what the Apostle James would call the untamable tongue? The answer is praise. Praise is the gymnasium for that wild muscle between your lips. We work our biceps, we work our triceps, we work our glutes in the 21st century. What about our tongue? Where are you training your tongue? Where are you training that little floppy, wild thing? <laughs> Through praise. Or think about how often our, our, our hands reach for things that they ought not to. Think about how we are drawn to grasp for for idols and how we grasp at things in greed and lust and selfishness. This, like Adam and Eve are constantly clinging for forbidden fruit. How does God shape and transform the way that we reach, what we reach for? Watch this. This is very profound. As we raise our hands. God is shaping and training our reach. Or think about how we are willing to give our allegiance to people or political parties or social movements. 
how we allow these things to begin to define us and then therefore divide us, how susceptible we are to these things in the 21st century. How does God protect our allegiance and make sure that we remain dedicated to him above anyone and anything else? As we kneel before God, as we pledge our allegiance to our maker, one more. Think about the way that we celebrate trivial things. Think about how into it we get when there's a game going on on TV. We become wild. We're, we're cheering them on. Oh, yeah, come on. March Madness, we're going wild. We even go wild for golf, which is not a wild sport. Think about how we, we sing our guts out in the car. I, was drive, I drove up past a, a young girl a couple days ago, singing her guts out. Who knows what it was, like Ariana Grande or something probably. Or we drum on our steering wheel. Or, you know, we, 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 we think about how we rant and we rave about our gym is now open and we're able to go to dine in at restaurants. And did you hear Trader Joe's doesn't require masks anymore? We just celebrate the most trivial things. How does God shape our celebration? How does God cause us, reality, to be a church that is just not obsessed with trivial things but remains passionate to what really matters in this world? As we shout and we clap our hands for God. Don't let the simplicity here be lost on us. Don't, don't try to make this too complex. Worship is the way that God transforms us individually and as a church. As we sang together today and we will continue to sing, the Spirit of God is actively working among us to make us more like Jesus Christ. In fact, the word worship comes from an old English word that's a combination of worth and shape. And what it means is to allow the worth and beauty and value of someone or something to shape you, the beholder. And that's what the Apostle Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to, to another. It's through worship that the glory of Jesus and the presence of his spirit shapes our minds, shapes our hearts, shapes our bodies into the people that God has called us to be. So let me conclude. I, I, again, sometimes, you know, this is, this is what happens when theologians or wannabe theologians try to explain what worship leaders are better suited to do. So let me just conclude with this. How are we delivered from the body of death? Remember, that's Paul's like question. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And the answer is in the song. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. How are we delivered? It's through Jesus. It's through his perfect life. It's through his sacrificial death on the cross. It's through his 
powerful resurrection and his ascension to the right hand of the Father and his promise to return and make all things new. It's through Jesus that we're delivered. And it's through Jesus that our praises rise to the Father. And it's through this Jesus that praise begins to shape our lives. We're going to come to the Lord's table a little bit later in our service. But at this moment, what I want to do is I want to call the church to the carpets. Now, for the first time in like a year and some change, we've got the carpets out in front of us. If you've just joined us over the last year, you're like, what the heck does that mean? If you've been with us for at least a few years, you know exactly what I mean. These carpets uh, are the place where we come and we really, because I don't think that this was just theoretical, where we really kneel before the Lord our God our maker. And these carpets have seen repentance. These carpets have seen trust. These carpets have seen salvation. These carpets have seen breakthrough. These carpets have seen reconciliation. These carpets have seen lives restored and relationships restored. And these carpets have seen men and women transformed. And so what I want to do in this next portion is call the worship team forward. And we're going to lean into what Paul is leading us into right here. It's that thanks be to God, that praise of God through both words and gestures. I'm not going to prescribe one specific way that you have to move your body, but I'm going to ask you to dedicate yourself to present your members to God as these members of righteousness. I'm going to ask that you, through the courage and the strength and the grace supplied by the Holy Spirit, you move beyond your comfort zone Move beyond your flesh and give God what he deserves today. Amen? Let me, let me pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for...